Hi, and welcome to EcoGal, the Curious Consumer. I'm Ashley. Today in the EcoGal studio with me is Jeremy Lekich. He was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee by two hippie parents who fostered a sense of reverence in him for the more than human world. In 2010, Jeremy founded Nashville Foodscapes and in 2021, transitioned the company to a worker-owned cooperative. In 2014, Jeremy co-founded Compost Nashville. Jeremy's journey as an entrepreneur and forest lover has inspired his work to leverage our current economic model and lawns to create new ones that are more equitable and harmonious. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Honored to be here. Excited for this conversation and glad to have you here. Uh, I guess the first place, the obvious place to start is what is Foodscapes? Yeah, so, so Foodscapes as an overall concept is the idea that our lawns, our park spaces, our landscapes, whether it's residential, commercial, public, that these areas have the potential for so much more than they are. And basically that that food and beauty, or, or function and beauty, I would even say, are not mutually exclusive, but that they can actually blend into these spaces, into our landscapes, into our yards, in a way that that offers so much uh, to humans and beyond, and also is beautiful. Hmm. And when I started Foodscapes, you know, people would be like, is that like edible bouquets, you know, edible arrangements? Um, now there's actually a movement, like there's a, there's a Foodscaper HQ um, where they profile foodscaping companies from all over the country. So it's come a long way in, in, in 10 years as an actual industry. Nashville Foodscapes uh, is a full-service design-build company that focuses on edible ecological landscapes. So um, some of the landscapes we do are, you know, gardens, orchards, um, and we also install pollinator gardens, rain gardens, rain catchment systems. Um, so that's why I like to say edible and ecological, because not always is the work we're doing just for humans to eat, but Often it's for humans to eat and for the the wild kin around us to also eat. Um, and so we do design, installation, and maintenance of of edible and ecological landscapes. So do you ever go in and take someone's lawn and remove the lawn and then create something that has more function and beauty? Yes, have done that more times than I can count or want to count because removing sod is it's a lot of work. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we've got a a machine call a sod cutter because we wow. do it so much. Yeah. It makes me think of the victory gardens. Mm -hmm. The time when, I mean, there's an opportunity really for anybody to grow their own food if they have a yeah. lawn, right? Yes. And, and it's really only here in the United States of America that that idea of growing food in your yard or in parks, that mm. that idea is novel. You know, when I started the company, I talked to, you know, I, I I was just like doing the work and going around and I would see people with orchards in their front yard. And I'd be like, who is this? So I would stop to talk to them. This was actually mostly in South Nashville. And it was almost always people from other countries. Oh. And across the board, it was they were like, yeah, this is how like this is how we do it where I'm from, you know, like. Like, of course, there's fruit trees in the yard. Of course, there's fruit trees mm. in the public parks. You know, it was like, duh, you know, and <laughs> right. it was only Makes here that, stuff. 
Yeah, it was only here sense. that people were like, wow, that's so cool, you know? And so that was like a, a beautiful, like humbling experience, really, that like, hey, what I'm doing is not like this. Actually, what it is, it's I like to say it's radical and ancient, right? Mm. It's like, it has this like, wow, this is so radical to plant food. And it's ancient, <laughs> what people have been doing for so long. Yeah, it seems that we just keep coming back to like what the ancestors were doing, right? And uh, I do love the idea of, of t- fruit trees in parks. I just wish that there was more of them because then you would have opportunities for people, you know, that don't even have access to food that are on the street that could then go and also have something there to eat that's natural and and healthy. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because often the the pushback on that is, well, that's going to make a mess. There's just going to be food every. There's going to be fruit everywhere. Hmm. And, you know, it's like the people who are saying that aren't food insecure, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? The people who are making those declarations can eat as much food as they want and right. they don't have to worry about it. So I think, um, yeah, I think there's a culture shift. Yeah, yeah. And who cares? Like if they have, if it makes a mess, they're not going to be cleaning it up as well. Right. It's just, it's part of the nature. It's like, it's like when, um, at the end of, you know, fall and, and I see people bagging up their leaves and I'm like, would you just, you know, like leave the leaves on the ground because they break down and that's what really enriches the soil. It's part of the way nature is set up to be right. There's a great, um, uh, you know, uh, story, I guess I would call it that um, I learned about and and Doug, his name is Doug Elliott. He's a naturalist and storyteller in Western North Carolina. And he mm-hmm. writes about it in his book um, called Swarm Tree, but you can also find it on the internet. Um, and it's a, it's a conversation between God and St. Francis about lawns. And they talk specifically about like these beautiful leaves that fall every autumn and are there to enrich the soil are getting like taken away. And it's so humorous. And it does, you know, I actually have gotten to the point where I read it before. Anytime I go speak anywhere, I read it because it so beautifully captures the irony of, of lawn culture. And, and it just, and it's also funny, you know, because it's just <laughs> like, well, yeah, w- wait, it, it, it's getting hot. So now people don't have to mow as much because it's getting hot, but they're actually now dragging out water to water the lawn so they can continue to mow it you know like whoa you know (laughs) what is this right right just taking our resources and wasting it yes Yes. yeah for 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 what i mean like i said i mean lawn mowers are are livestock animals right that that we have removed the like wonderful parts of and and Mm -hmm. kind of just replaced it with the function but not the all the benefits of it so it's this kind of interesting like pastoral life that has kind of transformed and and been bastardized in a way you know it's kind of like this strange configuration of what used to be pastoral life yeah don't they have uh, like goats now that you can rent to come in and and be your lawnmowers yeah, yeah. Uh, sheep as well. Sheep are, are more suited for, for grass and, and goats are more suited for like shrubby plants. And and yeah, there's some invasive removal, um, you know, privet and honeysuckle removal using goats. So oh, yeah, my mother had a goat we used to put out in the front and she just let it eat away at all the whatever it wanted to. Yes, yes. Well, that book is something I'd like to check out and read because I yeah, love St. Yeah. Francis and that would be a wonderful 
Yeah, it's story. called Swarm Swarm Tree by Doug Elliott. And also, you know, people can just type into the internet search bar, you know, uh, God St. Francis lawns, and <laughs> it will it will pop up. And it's oh, it's so good. Mm. It's so good. It sounds it. So then, um, what I also found interesting in uh, your bio was that you actually have transitioned the company to a work worker owned cooperative. So I'd love to know how you know that came about in your journey and what that really looks like and means today. Yeah. So it started it started really as, you know, an entrepreneur. You know, the entrepreneurial journey is often very hard, especially when, you know, you are starting with with not much, you know, when it's a bootstrap journey. Um and so it really was like six, seven years in where I'm just like, ah, I'm like kind of exhausted, you know, being responsible for everything and for, um, yeah, being the boss all the time and, and having to like think about things 24 seven and, and just feeling like, wow, is this the kind of life that I really want to live? And at Compost Nashville, um, there's four partners. I'm one of four. And so I got to see kind of, wow, it's really nice when there's other people that like care as much um, as as I do. And so with Foodscapes, I, I actually have, since the beginning, wanted to have a partner or partners to, to help build the business. Um, and uh, my, who is now my spouse, Vanessa Paz, came in um, around 2015 and and was not an official partner, but really helped to build up the business. And, but there was still so much stress. And of course, now it was like in the household as well, because we're both <laughs> working on that. Yep. And it was actually an employee um, that brought up or that, that brought my attention to a worker-owned cooperative because I hadn't heard of them. And when I started learning about them, I was like, oh, you know, this is the, the, this basically mimics the ecological principles that I'm so passionate about and that I've spent my adult life like implementing into landscapes, you know, in foodscapes. It's mimicking those ecological principles in the governance of a company or an organization. And so it felt like, oh, okay, like this is a way to walk the walk, you know, where it's like we're, we're, we're building an ecosystem into the governance of the company. Um, so the work we're doing, you know, in the foodscape, in the landscape is mimicked in the way that we we are um, working as a company. And so uh, it was it was kind of a no brainer in some ways of like, oh, yeah, you know, this is this is going to be awesome, hopefully. And it will also help, like, retain people in the company because landscaping is really hard work. Farming is really hard work. And the reality is that it doesn't it hasn't historically paid very well. You know, and part of that is, especially in the South, food was grown by enslaved people for a long time. And so that, so that it's just been, you know, and of course it's been devalued and, and really anything that's commodified that is an mm -hmm. essential need, like anytime it becomes commodified, the whole value of it like gets altered and, and gets weird. And so with food, it's kind of like that. And of course, industrial agriculture is subsidized. So that makes like homegrown organic, you know, food like mm. seem very expensive. Um, so, so yeah, 
So it was it was this um, experience of like, oh, yeah, like this seems like a way that I want to move forward. And with the cooperative, like I may not be able to to pay people as well as they deserve. I haven't. You know, it's like I've been working <laughs> for very little for a long time, which is just part of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, but if there's ownership, maybe people will stick around. And and that's proven to be the case. Um, and, and thankfully, we are paying people well now because uh, the the especially like after the onset of 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 covid like like mm. people were like the the value system got a little bit of a restructuring um and so that has been really helpful um people go oh okay yeah like i do want a garden and i am willing to invest in a garden um where before it was like well i just spent $50,000 on a new landscape with plants that won't feed me or even the pollinators but oh 2000 on a garden well that's a lot right. you know um, so, so yeah, so the cooperative is basically, you know, any employee, mm. um, after a certain amount of time and with a, uh, with a, a buy-in and a vote, uh, from the other members, from the other owners becomes an owner in the company. So there's, uh, there's three qualifications that have to be met time, um, a buy-in and then, a, a approval vote mm-hmm. by the other members. And that employee gets to be a, 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 a member owner and the benefits there are profit sharing based on hours worked and an equal vote in the decisions that are made. Um, and so one person, one vote. So it's an egalitarian voting system in that way. So it's democracy, really, yeah. you know, which, of course, like getting into it, democracy is hard. You know, it's like like there's always going to be conflict, like like we're humans. There's always mm. going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. And so it's making sure that you have good conflict resolution uh, in place because it, it's just democracy is really hard and really messy. <laughs> and we see that, you know, on a large scale. And we've gotten to see that on a small scale with the cooperative. And so it's it's not for the faint of heart. That's for dang sure. So. No, that is so true. Conflict resolution. It's such an important skill. And it's something I think that's really needed right now because I think that it also requires people to be more informed on an issue if they're open and willing to listen and be curious and ask questions, right? I mean, I feel like this is where our society really does need to go. I think that thinking about this and actually having a discussion with a friend just regarding on certain industries that the fact that profit is baked into it right there makes it not actually function properly. I don't like, you know, it just makes me think about like our medical industry. And if it's like, if, if everything's based on profit, then profit becomes more important than the people. And that's very concerning. And it just happens in so many different other areas. And it's like, how do we begin to, to change these models? And maybe it begins, you know, locally, right? Where we start to see companies become more worker-owned cooperatives. Because also, like, that was the other thing that happened during the pandemic. People didn't want to go back to their jobs. They were really realizing they were unhappy. And they weren't being paid well enough, right? And so then it's like to get to be a part of something and to have a voice you know, and you can put as much or as little in as you want, but that's, you know, you start to see how this functions in a better way and you can be more proactive. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a big part of it is, you know, at least for me, like acknowledging the capitalist system has created a lot of issues, mm. uh, you know, and there's no perfect system. Uh, and we can't just like say, goodbye, capitalism, we're done with you, right? Like it's the, the, the force is too strong. So how do we work within that system, um, but make changes that make it less exploitive and, you know, make it more relational? Um, mm -hmm. And switch like what what is the profit attached to even, you know, like in your example with healthcare, like right now, as I understand it, hospitals make money on the amount of people that are sick in the hospital. Right. What if they made money on the amount of people they sent home well and healthy and happy? Right. Like that. Exactly. Would I have thought about that. Like like we're like putting like where we should be like celebrating for like, well done on you for getting this human well and putting and, and getting them back out into their lives to go home to their family and society rather than, you know, while keeping them sick and they're in this system, it just does not, it like nobody really truly wins at the end of the day, because even the healthcare system is, is struggling. Right. Exactly. And I think that the for me the main like issue with the system that we live in you know call it capitalism call it uh patriarchy call it imperialism you know um it, it's got many names um that kind of label the same beast uh but it it's it's gotten way too heavy towards transactional versus relational yeah. and i think that that's a lot of what i have been working to spend my adult life doing with Nashville Foodscapes and with Compost Nashville is to say like, yes, we can't remove the transaction from this because I'm just, I'm not independently wealthy. I don't, you know, like I have to make money. I have to pay my bills. I'm stuck in the same system. But how do we like really either front load or even like uh, interweave the context of relationship, um, whether yeah. it's relationship to other people, relationship to, to your, to your landscape, to your, to your, uh, pollinator neighbors, you know, the bees mm -hmm. and the butterflies, the birds. Yeah. Relationship to where your waste goes, you know? Yes. Relationship to where your food waste goes when it's done because there's no way, right? Right, and, right. And like our landfills are filling up, you know? And there's right now no no solution in place. And so it's like, we've got a, we've got some big things to figure out. And now it's getting to the point where we have to, right? When landfill yeah. costs were cheap and plastic was cheap, you know, all these things that made it so easy to just fall into those conveniences. But that thankfully is changing. Yeah. And so now we're kind of being pushed into this corner of like, we've got to we've got to make some of these changes. We definitely do. And it was never really cheap. And the people that really know it, <laughs> yeah. like really kept that, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. It was always <laughs> falsely cheap, subsidized, all that jazz. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you're right. We just, I mean, this is a conversation that could go on for days. Um, and I look forward to the, you know, the, the fact that we are having, um, we are seeing small changes. And hopefully, you know, because it is forcing our hands that, you know, people will begin to, we'll be able to kind of start having, not even kind of, that we will be able to have these conversations and start looking for a way forward that works for everybody. Because at this point, we're all being, you know, affected by what's happening with the climate, right? It's just, it's so unpredictable anymore, so. Yes, and yeah. I, I, you know, I think that's, for me, why I love working within the food 
I guess, movement, you mm-hmm. know, on the growing end, helping people grow food. And then on the other end of, of turning it back into, you know, compost soil that can grow more food because it doesn't matter what your political stance is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you think the climate is changing or, you know, all news is fake. Like none of that matters because we all eat. Right. And it's like, how do we like figure out where to find those points where it's like, well, we all eat. We all need to take care of our soil. We all breathe. So we need to take care of our air. We all drink. So we need to take care of our water. Like n- nothing else matters, really. It's like, and of course it does. I know it's layered and nuanced yes, and all that yes. stuff. But I I really am working to figure out how to just like prioritize clean air, clean water, you know, clean food and soil, clean communities. And, and just like, hey, let's agree there. And, hmm. and figure out how to like focus our energies collectively there, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know that you are going to have a, a immediate answer on this, but I'm curious. So for the, the community of Nashville, I mean, you're putting your company out there and so people are learning about it and it, and people talk and they share, right. That this, you know, this is another option. But I'm wondering also how else we could infuse this mindset within the community here. I mean, we have a new mayor as of last week, you know, and uh, I know people are really ready for change in a positive way. Yeah, um, right. That's, there's, I think there's a, there's a number of different answers that come to my head, right? Mm. Like one uh, on the compost side, like, you know, if people's favorite restaurants and bars are composting, mm. that's going to encourage them because they're going to be like, oh, OK. You know, um, I, I know that there's talks of the new Titan Stadium that they're planning to build being um, as close to no waste as possible. So everything will be recycled and composted, you know, like yeah. as as a as a experience for someone, it's like, oh, there's no trash here, you know, and people who may not have even like considered composting or recycling are all of a sudden hopefully inspired because their hometown sports team is doing it. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, focus more on the, the, the food waste piece of it. And with the, the food growing piece, I, I do think there is becoming more and more of an awareness of like really the greater ecosystem that we live in, you know, like, we need to be planting for the pollinators. We need to be planting for the birds. And I I think like my answer for like, how do we like build more momentum on that is always like parties and festivals, you know, mm. because that's people, people, most people love to gather and have a good time and celebrate, you know? I mean, there's so many, like we're bombarded with bad news, you know, all the time of, of and cause it's just a really, it's a lot of, real of struggle happening and mm-hmm. so i think like like if we could have like neighborhood block parties where there's you know and this happens i mean this is not like a new idea i mean there are <laughs> neighborhood block parties and and lawn and yard tours and um but i think if there could be more intention into into uh ways to get people together to celebrate you know growing food or or growing pollinator gardens um mm. then i think that is powerful because people like to have a good time, you know? Yeah, they do. And that is community, right? That's right, right in your backyard. So what a great idea. 
Well, so how do people find you? So if they are wanting to turn their, you know, their lawn into something edible and make it more beautiful and functional and yes. not just a monoculture. Yes. So um, we have a website, NashvilleFoodscapes.com. And then uh, we're on Instagram at Nashville Foodscapes. Um, and uh, Compost Nashville is compostnashville.org. And also on Instagram at Compost Nashville. And um, those are the best ways to reach us. I mean, through the website, you can yeah. you can reach out and say, hey, I'm interested. And Compost Nashville, they pick up at your home, right? Like that is a residential exactly. service, correct? Exactly. And we are working with Metro Nashville government to do a pilot. So um, just like people have recycling and trash picked up, there will be um, 750 people that will be selected to have compost picked up as part of the the, the city service. Oh, that's um, fantastic. As a, as a pilot. And so we'll be doing that. And we're really excited about that because, you know, that's another way, you know, I mean, yeah, the reality yeah. is sometimes when the government says, hey, this is what we're doing, it changes things. So um, the fact that they're on board is it's it's great. And of course, you know, uh, Nashville has a zero waste by 2041 plan. Like it's law that by 2041, Nashville has to be quote unquote zero waste. And of course, you know, that's a, there's many parts to that, but like mm -hmm. yeah. the low hanging fruit, pun intended, is compost, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And it keeps the food waste out of your trash that smells so badly. You know, I, I moved out of my house uh, where I used to have that. Uh, residential and it was just easy because i could actually put it in the garage but now that i'm in an apartment I, I just end up putting it in my freezer and then i can and because we also like compost nashville services the entire complex here 256 apartments you know i can walk it down to our bin and put it in there now but that's you know there's just always a there's always a solution to a problem if we're willing to like kind of think outside the box and it's so nice not to be walking down the hallways and smelling people's trash because totally. it's sitting in there. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 So, well, this is just um, delightful. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing uh, about Foodscapes and also Compost Nashville. And um, I just uh, I look forward to keeping up on how things expand and, and staying in touch. So thank you oh. so much. Thank you for having me. This was a joy and looking forward to more conversations. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Sharing the show or an episode that really resonated with you, with friends or on social media is always appreciated. For podcast updates, please subscribe at ecogal.tv forward slash subscribe. Graphic elements and logos, courtesy of Linda Cornelius. Audio editing by Danielle Mikesell. Our theme music was created by Taylor Pye. You can find us on Instagram at EcoGal TV. We appreciate your support and we value your time and energy. So we hope you found this useful and of value. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon. And until then, stay curious.